0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We've had a slew of ugly early spring training injuries. We've had a number of big drafts in our books now, including Labor last week. TJFBI, aka Yogurt, has started uh, and there was a Beach F. Erickson draft yesterday. Hold that and more with the man in front of the doorknob, Franziki. coming up next on the Riddle wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Welcome everybody to the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. Unfortunately, a ton of injuries, so we'll uh, break all of those down. We got some drafts to discuss. Uh, it is a fun time uh, right now. Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that, except for the injuries. Fred, some nasty stuff there.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> this is this is the reality check week, right? Like we just started drafting, like you said, uh, things like labor. Um, last week and now TGFBI is drafting and, you know, you, you do those early drafts and a lot of people have done some draft champions and you picture your team all working out. I feel like this is the week in spring training every year where the first injuries start to happen and you remember, oh yeah, there are going to be a lot of bumps in the road on my way to potentially winning a title.
1: Yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, I, I point case in point FSGA league, I have got, uh, we're doing, we, we did 12 uh, rounds in Vegas last week, and then it became a mega, mega, mega slow draft. It picked up, of course, yesterday. They started emailing everybody the picks. Un- unfortunately, I had just taken Gavin Lux before the injury. Um, so that was a brutal one.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Gavin Lux injury, like, I don't think that's, to be honest, like, I don't think it's a killer to, you know, any teams that, have gavin lux already like the story what did you mention what round was it in well like like
1: 18, 18 17 yeah 19. like
2: like you're losing your round 18 16 whatever pick for the year like it sucks but like by the time right. we get to opening day everyone's gonna have a couple players on the il maybe more um I like i like it's not a killer it's a it's like a buzz kill for sure early in the year
1: 16 um, by the way i, I had okay. to look 16, so it's a yeah. little 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 killer but not as as it could have been for sure. But I just, I had to immediately get another middle infielder. He was going to be my middle infielder. I'd kind of waited on that. I had a second and short early and then I waited to fill middle infield. So then immediately after that, I went and got Brendan Donovan the next round, I think.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, okay, now I'm just spreading sunshine where it doesn't belong. But one of the things about the Gavin Lux injury is at least, you know what it is. It's out of the way it's over with you move on. Right, we the the injuries that I find hamper us the most during the season are the ones where, oh, Gavin Lux is out for six weeks. Oh, wait, now it's going to be ten weeks. Oh, wait, now they're not sure if he's going to be back till the All Star break. Like at least you know now you can pivot. Even if you're someone who's drafted Gavin Lux and your draft is over, um, so you don't have the ability still within the draft to to pick up another middle infielder. Um, At least you know, I don't have Gavin Lux all season. It's time to figure out another plan. So. Yeah. Right, that, like I said, that's me spreading sunshine where maybe it doesn't belong.
1: Well, yeah, and you know the the availability. I mean, we're gonna have to draft a uh, backup middle anyhow. Usually, yep. on reserves, yep. I like to have like all three covered, like an uh, in middle a corner and an outfield covered, and then have four pitchers on reserve. Now <laughs> I'll just get another. I, I know I'll get a middle, and maybe get another middle. It's like when I drafted Tatis in the main last year, and I was like, well, I better get another one, and maybe another one after that. Boy, wasn't that fun, by the way, to brag about being the last to take Tatis in any league? (laughs) Nailed that one. Uh, But yeah, so it shows, hey, even then there's risk. It's an 11th round pick. Who knows who I could have taken with that? Absolutely. Instead of playing Isaiah Kiner-Falefa all season in that spot.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you have Lex, you know that by the time you get to the first fab period of the season, You're going to be dying to, there's going to be players dying to pick up who have emerged. Now you've got an easy drop ready to go.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay. So let's hit, so let's talk Gavin Lux. Let's talk. Since we, we mentioned him, he's out for the season torn ACL and also looks like LCL as well. A sprain is a tear people. If you say, well, it's just a sprain on the LCL. No, that's also a tear. Uh, so it may not be a complete total tear, but the ACL is gone. Don't look at the injury. It was terrible. What do the Dodgers do, Fred, with that spot?
2: Yeah, so I guess they just play, for now, play Miguel Rojas a lot more, right? So I think that's how it's shaping up, right? Rojas at shortstop, Vargas at second. They've talked about playing Mookie Betts a little more often at second. I think Chris Taylor will play Uh, He was always going to play a lot. I think he's maybe he plays a little more. It's the Dodgers. So I feel like they'll find a smart way to pivot at some point. Now they kind of have a roster spot available now or a a lineup spot or whatever, like, like not just a roster spot, but a a prominent roster spot available if they want to pick up another infielder uh, or another outfielder and and use guys like Taylor and Betts more in the infield. So um, I was amazed when I started adjusting my projections, how little changed. So obviously like Lux gets wiped off the list. Rojas gets put on the list because now he'll get enough playing time, at least for now until something changes, where he's like draftable, but it's not very exciting. Like he's he's draftable like late round. To me, he's late round draftable. He'll hit late in the Dodgers lineup. He doesn't have a lot of power or speed. Um, bets doesn't really change much. If you want, you can give him a really small bump for a better prediction of him gaining second base eligibility right. that didn't move the needle much for me, to be honest, because when I've been drafting so far, I find I need outfielders more than I need middle infielders by the late rounds. So I don't, I mean, it, the in season flexibility is fine, but like I said, like that's, that's not a big one for me. Um, Miguel Vargas doesn't really move because I already had him slated for like a pretty large amount of playing time. I bumped Chris Taylor up a little bit, but not much. Like, right few more plate appearances. I don't know about you, but I found like like for a major injury like this on a really good team, I hardly changed my projections at all. Like I said I deleted locks I put in Rojas. Rojas is still really far down my list and not much else changed.
1: Yeah, I agree. And you know, they could put bets at second, but honestly, I don't think they want to do that all season long. I think that's just a stopgap. Yeah. I'll throw a name at you that you know, you might not have on your radar. You probably do because you're, 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 you do your research and all that, but most people might. If you're in a, like a draft champions league, consider Michael Bush. He might not begin the year, break the cl- uh, year with the big league club. He is a top 200 prospect, 190 on James Anderson's list. He's going to be in AAA already, anyhow. He's 25 years old. So he's not like he's this guy that's not, you know, you know if, if he shows any sort of competence at AAA or they, sh- they have anybody, if Vargas struggles, that finger's a problem, anything like that. I could see Bush getting the call. I could see him getting the call. Anyhow, he could knock that door down. So I think that's one to, hey, you know, to, to channel the great Lenny Milnick, just etch it on the kitchen table there. Uh, you know, it is a name. I mean, man, so many names he's got etched in there. I mean, this table must be just splinters now, uh, but uh, many Lenny's awesome. And he does a great podcast. You guys should check it out by the way. Um, so yeah, Michael Bush. Don't forget that name. If you're in an, in a only league, you're in a DC Maybe you don't take him like in a uh the labor draft that we did, but maybe you do with the last round. Uh but I hate stashes in, in leagues like that in fab leagues, but in not you know, in a league where you're going seven fifty deep, I would definitely consider him.
2: Yeah. And I mean, for those who aren't familiar with him, uh last season spent mostly at triple A, a little bit at double A, finished the year with thirty two homers, a hundred and eight RBIs, and a hundred and eighteen runs scored. Now he does strike out a lot. He doesn't steal bases. So um Yeah, we'll see. But like you said, like late, late round 40s in a draft champions, you could grab him and and just see what happens.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and Vargas is interesting too. Vargas is ahead of Bush for a reason. I mean, he's earned that. Uh, Miguel Vargas is someone who uh, could play a lot. You know, he started Monday, but didn't hit. That was an interesting thing. He was listed as the number nine hitter and it was taken out. But, uh, you know, he's got a hairline fracture. When called up by the Dodgers last year, two walks, thirteen Ks, and fifty plate appearances. So yeah, he's got some work left to do. Mm-hmm. But man, uh, you look at his numbers in AAA: nine fifteen OPS, hit for average, walked seventy one times with seventy six strikeouts. So great eye, you know. At least in, in the minor league levels, we'll see how that translates. Last last year, he had seventeen homers and one hundred thirteen games. He does run sixteen stolen bases last year. So. Yeah, Vargas is, you know, Vargas's stock is way up. A uh, couple people in the room already talking about that there. Um, Brooks and R- BZA, RZA, GZA. What does that stand for? Let us know. Um, I'm curious. At least let me know. I'm curious. Uh, but I, I got to, the, the other thing, other guy I got to mention is I did labor with you. Chris Taylor is one of the panoply of late round outfielders that I drafted like five in a row draft him as an outfielder but you know it helps that he qualifies at second and he could end up at short too because if miguel they find miguel rojas wanting taylor can end up getting enough games in at shortstop too
2: yeah for sure i think you took taylor in around 21 i think that's fair maybe more fair now especially sure, than, of course that like looks even obviously looks even a little bit better right now uh yeah i think taylor's someone who at the beginning of the year will pr- unless the dodgers make a a trade or something during spring training. I think at the beginning of the year, Taylor will find himself in the lineup probably five days a week, maybe in a six game week, he probably gets himself in five times a week. So um, yeah, I think he's fine. Like, like we kind of know what Chris Taylor is. He's not going to like win your league or anything, but as far as a depth guy and, and like I was mentioning a minute ago, like I'm finding that, I don't have in my draft so far, I don't have a lot of outfielders when I hit the late rounds and I'm looking for outfielders after like round 18 or 20. Like you said, you loaded up, you took five in a row. Um, Chris Morrell, I think, and Chris Taylor out of them have dual position eligibility. So, but still, you took a lot of outfielders, even going into that point, you had one two I guess you had one after well, 15 rounds in the well draft.
1: don't forget Jordan Alvarez is an outfielder he, True. Does, he, he, doesn't, yes. have he doesn't have the color sticker on, on RT right. but yeah okay, he's so, an you had two. Two.
2: so in the first 15 rounds you had two and so did I I was in the same situation and I had two uh right through to round 20 yeah I did I had two right through to round 20 and I ended up having to pick up a bunch of them late that'll be my weakness at the beginning of the year that I'm going to have to work on. Well, ho- hopefully that's my only weakness. If it's not my weakness and something else has gone wrong during spring training. But uh, yeah, I think Taylor, I, like I said, like as a, as you're kind of like last starter top bench guy, I think is really appealing.
1: Yep. Yep. Um, Vargas is going to go through, go through the roof. Uh, what, what's his ADP right now? It's got, a, it's going to go up at least 50 points. I figure after this, if not
2: uh, maybe. So I noticed in our labor draft, um, I took him in round 18 and that was the last pick of round 18. Mm-hmm. I passed on him in round 17 for Brendan Rodgers and then it was not more than a couple picks past me and I thought, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like I should have taken I should have taken Vargas. People were shying away from him because of that fractured pinky and I I like in round 17, I was like, I got, I should, I, like I said, as soon as it passed me in round 17, I took Merrill Kelly and Brendan Rogers on the turn. Brendan Rogers is just a lot safer. I mean, he did get banged up today, but depending on how that all ends up, he was considered a lot safer a week ago. Um, anyways, and then no one wanted <laughs> to. How quickly the
1: worm turns, right?
2: Absolutely. And this is what, this is a, like a thing, and we'll talk about maybe this a little later with the labor draft, but. Like just worrying, are we overreacting to some of these early, not the Lux thing, obviously, but some of these early spring little injuries. You know, Vargas is already fielding, like he said, today. You know, he could be hitting in spring training games by the weekend or something. And and then it's full steam ahead for someone who's a really top prospect who I, and has a starting job on a really good team. And I was able to get him at the end of round 18. And I think he slipped a few rounds because of the fractured pinky, I think, in a few days or in a couple weeks he's going to be four or five rounds earlier at least
1: yeah i think so too i think so too um and i'm going to go ahead and throw up the uh i'm going to go ahead and post uh, sh- share the uh labor draft screen uh we'll, we'll uh and you can kind of see that there and see what what fred did um with this draft he, he's drafting out of the one spot there uh so you can kind of take a look at that there as we uh, pull it up there and it was a little team you took well, I, actually, I don't want to go into I – mean, I take that back. I don't want to share that now because I, I, we're going to do that as a whole chapter here. So mm-hmm. it's there, for people. It's coming. Don't worry. Uh, but uh, we got a lot of other injuries, and Jeff, Jeff's got to stay on target today. He's got to do a better job of <laughs> that. Jeff's yeah, we got to get to these injuries too.
2: before we get to the drafts. Exactly.
1: Okay, big one, Tyler Glass now. Oblique injury, six to eight weeks. They're talking with him. This is, you know, sometimes when the oblique, it's like, uh, he kind of hurt. He might be day to day. We're going to go get an MRI. No glass now. Boom. Right away. Six to eight weeks. They knew it was a pretty significant one.
2: Yeah. And as, as I put in the show notes and I hate, I don't want to be a hater, but yes, knock do. me over with a feather. You're telling me that Tyler glass now is hurt and is going to miss time. I don't know. I, I was Tyler glass. Sounds a really good pitcher. I was, not in on him this draft season at his ADP. I, I don't know. I, this time it's the oblique for Tyler glass. Now dra- drafters. I hope it's, this is it. And then he's back and then he's good the rest of the way. But we're talking about someone whose career high in innings is 111 and two thirds. And that's the only time he even got to 90 in a season. So I don't know. It just seems with him, even though he's really good now that he's on the raise, um, he just can't seem to avoid injuries.
1: Right. Uh, we'll what did what inning? How many innings did you give him
2: prior uh, one, to the injury? Yeah. Or, or now? Yeah, okay. Either yeah. way. So, um, I gave him 140, which was opt- like obviously higher than he'd ever done before. But he was healthy going into spring training, so sure. Even at 140. He was nowhere near the top of my list when he would get drafted. And, and you know, because you do your projections, like when you have him at 140 innings and then because he's a highly ranked pitcher, you have other pitchers at 170 and 180 innings in his tier. Like there's just no way at 140 innings mathematically, even with a good strikeout rate like he has, like he just doesn't get to where those and the win total is not going to project is not going to be as high he's not going to have as much influence on your ratios because the innings are lower as someone has the same ratios and in more innings. Um yeah, so he for me he was way down from where his ADP was. I'm not taking a victory lap on it because he could actually still come back and throw those 140 innings. He could. And he just I just felt like I couldn't project an amount of innings that would get him on my list to where he was getting drafted.
1: Yeah, I'm the same way. So I had him at 125. I just moved him down to 119 even. Okay. And even that I'm not sure if that's enough uh, that still might be too many. I've got him for like eight wins uh I mean it's just he's so efficient when he does pitch but they just don't they they've always limited him and I can't see that changing
2: that's right yeah that's how that's how I feel and and I just don't like when you have an injury now I just it doesn't really change the fact that he's still gonna be back and then could have another injury during the season It's not like this he's just as likely as anyone else to to get or more likely than most guys to get hurt um when he comes back so I feel like now he'll fall pretty far do you want to play a quick little would you rather on Tyler Glass now
1: please let's do that
2: okay Tyler Glass now or Lance Lynn
1: Glass now I'm not a Lynn guy
2: okay I think I would take Lynn uh how about Luis Garcia Glass now or Luis Garcia Garcia
1: changed changed wind up and all uh, by the way, I'm going to be forced with this decision, decision in yogurt. I've got one starter through seven rounds, and I'm, we're, okay. in, we're going away from me in the seventh round right now. I'm picking out of the three spot. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I may be forced to make some of these decisions later on.
2: Glass now or Nick Lodolo?
1: Probably Lodolo. Um, I like Lodolo more than most. Uh, team context is awful, ballpark and team. Mm-hmm. however i know he's gonna be there at least for now i mean it, it could change that that's a tough call actually tougher than i thought
2: i'm gonna take glass now there i think i'm gonna okay. not low man on a lodolo but a little lower sure. uh how about glass now versus jesus Lazardo, who always gets hurt or doesn't always get hurt but gets hurt a fair amount but is not hurt right now
1: i took Lazardo and labor um close close uh and- yeah, I mean, that's the range. It's right in that yeah. range. I mean, that, that these yeah. are all like, so even Lynn, I probably should give more, a little bit more thought to. I just, I'm so disenchanted with Lynn because I had him in some places where he's just so awful early on last year. Right. But almost all the White Sox were. I mean, I'd be hypocritical by saying I'm out on Lynn, but I'm also in on, you know, uh, in on uh, Lucas Giolito, which I am in on Lucas Giolito.
2: Yeah, I, I could see, I don't know, Lynn's a lot older than Giolito. I, I guess I could see that. I kind of, I actually have them ranked. Almost like very very similar to to each other. I have G a little higher, but I have them ranked pretty similar to each other. I do think Glass now is we'll we'll see where his ADP lands. I felt like where he was going before, um, I would rather have Framber Valdez, Robbie Ray, Joe Musgrove, Joe Musgrove pre injury. Like I felt like these guys were more reliable than Glass now. But that's that's where he was going. That was where his ADP was. Tristan McKenzie. I'd take those guys over Glass now. Now we'll see where glass now falls to because if he settles into that group that i was just talking about i could throw chris bassett in there um you know i throw jeffrey springs in there if he starts to fall into that group then then i think you can look at glass now i don't think i would take him over some of the guys that we've mentioned but not all of them so i think that's the right tier for him now in my opinion we'll see where he falls
1: yeah the other thing is with him out until basically may um is that the Rays now have to find a new fifth starter. They had five solid starters. Uh, mm-hmm. McClanahan Springs, Rasmussen, Rasmussen and uh, Zach Eflin are also already in there. They, they paid Eflin, so Eflin had a job. Um, so the, now it's Luis Patino again, Yanni Chirinos coming back from a year off, You know Taj Bradley, Josh Fleming. Uh, that, that, that's who they're looking at to try to win that fifth starter's job. They're going to need that for a month now.
2: Hello, bullpen day. Yeah, the, it's, the
1: Rays are the inventor of bullpen yeah, day, basically. I, so I fine. could
2: totally see that being the the play
1: for them. Yeah, they already have a lot of red ink in their bullpen. Again, they always do, Fred. I mean, yeah, and they encourage encourages max effort stuff. I'm really curious to see how the, how the new rules affect the Rays because I think they were really good at manipulating the rules before, whether yeah. it be the shift, you know, pitcher usage, uh, everything uh, throughout. You know, I, I could see a lot of this getting hitting them maybe a little harder than other clubs. So we'll see about that. You alluded to Joe Musgrove I know when I you know I've been I've been lifting such ponderous weights that I drop in some of my toe as well unfortunately bad break there yeah um, literally broken toe there he's not going to throw at all for two weeks maybe longer now you're a lifter of weights more than I am so uh, you know a little bit more but you know the thing is it's a fractured big toe on his left foot it's that's his you know it, it's he's pushing off the mound with that. You know, it could last longer than two weeks. It's no throwing at all for two weeks. And then he's basically starting all over again, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, for sure starts the season on the IL. We're looking at probably mid-March to start ramping up. So, I'd say late April. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I, I don't think there's much difference between he, he and Glass now and amount of time missed, actually. Probably I think it's similar. similar. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, personally, and I think you'll you'll agree with me here, like I would much rather draft Musgrove because yeah. when he comes back from this, he's a much better history of staying healthy and the toe, hopefully if it's fine, won't impact anything else. Like, I guess I didn't trust glass now before I, I still don't trust him, but um, so I think Musgrove, all the people that we already talked about, you would still draft him over them.
1: The yeah. ones that I, they all compared and him. the thing also is it wasn't a pitching injury. It was right. a, a stupid, That's bad right. luck injury. Yeah. And it's not his arm. It's not his oblique. It's not something that he could re injure. He could pushing off. I mean, he's it's hard to rehab uh, foot injuries. We, we you know because it's hard to stay off your feet, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, the only thing you can do is rest, which means you know he it's going to be hard for him to s- maintain conditioning and all that kind of stuff. That's the thing that kind of is a big negative, but. He doesn't go on my do not draft list. He just goes in my draft later list. I put him down to 25 starts for the season. I had him at 29 previously.
2: Do you know off the top of your head or do you have in front of you like where he is in your starter rankings now? Like, so for me, I think I've got him around 39, 40, something like that.
1: Mm, I don't off the top of my head, but I could pull, what I am going to do is pull up the round table rankings that we just did and kind of keep in mind, uh, you know, at least – you know, at least uh, where we're where we were at before, um, and I can kind of, uh, you know, ha- have a better idea of uh, at least of you know where I go. So just give me a second. Yeah, to pull no, up. go
2: ahead. While you're looking that up, I can say that where I have him, I think I would he would be start to be in play for me in a 15 team league. Maybe around round 11 would be when I would start to consider me round 12. So I do have. So for example, I have Charlie Morton in front of him. Um, I have Drew Matt Rasmussen who I've drafted in both my drafts so far in round 10 in both of them in front of him. Um, I do have Jeffrey Springs in front of him, although that when I would debate um, and I have Jordan Montgomery in front of him, cause I'm a bit of a Jordan Montgomery guy. So I have him just kind of just behind that tier. So I think, like I said, about round 11, I was when I, he would start to come onto my radar and round by round 12, I'd probably be pretty excited if he was still there. So we'll just see where his ADP falls in the next few days.
1: That's fair. Um, I'm I'm pulling up my rank. Yeah, the roundtable rankings are cool because you can sort by your own personal rankings here. Okay. So, I had Musgrove at like 76 prior to this, and we'll do another set of these fairly soon. I gotta imagine that puts him back. Let's see behind. But I'd say probably behind Blake Snell, uh, Kershaw range maybe. Kershaw he is right
2: behind those two guys on my list.
1: Gilbert. Kyle Wright, who's got his own shoulder thing to watch. I might be too high on Gilbert and I mean on Kyle Wright actually. Nestor Cortez coming off the hamstring, but uh, he's he's already throwing. He's pitching. I think he'll be fine. I don't love Webb, but I've got him in that range. So we're still talking before the tenth. Still in a fifteen teamer, it might be different. I might be a little bit more cautious with anybody with a, a day to day or an out or anything like that. Because, uh, you know, I, you don't want to come into the, you know, in a 15 teamer you lose a guy for a month, it hurts a lot more. So I, in a 12 teamer I'm more inclined to take him than I am in a 15 and 10, I'm more inclined than a 12, you know. So but after Giolito, before Lodolo, um, before Glass now, definitely before Glass now.
2: Right. I also think um, the league context will matter a lot in the sense of unlimited IL way more interested in an NFBC style with seven IL slots. So if you're drafting an NFBC league on March 25th, you can pretty much at that point, you know, who's going to be injured on opening day. Right. You can plan to draft like one guy or maybe two where you're like, okay, I'll open the year with Joe Musgrove and one other guy on my IL. I have like timelines for them, whatever. If you're drafting now and you're going to already jam up one of your IL spots by drafting Musgrove and you're going to do that intentionally, you have to pretty much assume that you're going to have at least one other player, if not two, who get hurt during spring training, that you're not going to want to drop. So that, that one's a little trickier. Like I said, like I, I would be more inclined to draft Musgrove in late March, knowing that maybe when I hit round 10, I didn't have any injured players yet. So, so I'm going to take him and then I'm not going to draft anyone else who's injured at the time right now. Well, sure, I don't have anyone who's injured yet, but we're just starting spring training. I can pretty much assume that someone else I took in the first 15 rounds will be hurt by opening day. Exactly. And then and then again, those early season bench spots in NFBC, these are so valuable. In Tout and Labor, they're not because you just put them on the I.L. But in NFBC, like April is the time more than any other month where you want to have bench spots for speculative closers, hot starters, things like that. Exactly. Yeah. Got a question
1: in the uh, in the chat room about Fernando Tatis. Did he play? I know he is scheduled to play today. So I got to pull up, and I haven't seen a box score yet from uh, spring training stats. But uh, presumably, uh, if they have they even played yet, or do they play at night, uh, that's that's the question. I have questions, many questions here. Uh, so, I, yeah, you know, I he was scheduled to make his spring training debut today. He did. He, they did they played. He did. Uh, so I, I I haven't seen any velos or anything like that, you know. And I, I don't even know if he's uh, you know, what what he's doing defensively yet, but uh yeah, I'm pulling it up right now, pulling the box score. He went uh he did he go he went over two, scored to run. Stole a base. Uh, stole a base. Hey, that's nice. We like that he was the DH. So we didn't see any defense. Uh and that that's one of the big things is it how's he gonna adapt to right field? But hey. Walked, stole a base. So that, that, there's there's some good things going there for him.
2: Yeah, yeah this is good uh, a good step back if for people who want to draft him in round two. I'm not really one of them right now. We'll see if I reconsider later in draft season. But for those who want to draft him in round two, uh, yeah, we'll see if he keeps providing encouraging signs throughout the spring until he has to sit out for his suspension.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other injuries before we move on to other topics. Uh, a Suzuki. Out of the WBC, another oblique injury. Uh, they're ta- calling it a moderate strain. They also call it Glassnose a grade two strain. So uh, yeah, we'll see if we don't have that dis- degree of precision with Suzuki's. Our, our, how, how much are you pulling back and say a Suzuki right now?
2: Oh, a little bit. And I wasn't really, I would not I was definitely not out on Suzuki, but other people had him higher than I did up mm-hmm. to this point. So I would say I will drop him too far unless he really i guess we'll see where he slips and drafts i don't think i'll be the one drafting him again like i made the point with musgrove if i'm gonna tie up an il spot already for april uh i think it has to be someone who i'm really high on like musgrove uh like right. glass now i'm not really high on glass now because of the injury concerns but i get that glass now is awesome if he when he's when he's healthy so suzuki's good I don't know if he's good enough that I want to jam up one of my IL spots right now with him. He would be more appealing again, like I said, as part of a plan later in March, depending on what his ADP is. But I just, I could see me being annoyed having him on the IL at the start of the year if I already had a couple other injuries and and the other players were better than him.
1: Yeah. He's also a guy that we were paying up for. We we are the industry, not me and you personally, because... I couldn't, I got, I got aced out on him. Rudy Grant. Gamble got him in the eighth round in LABR last week, uh, which much to the chagrin of Tim McLeod, who prides himself on knowing all the Japanese players and grabbing most of them. Uh, but he did not get, was it, he was not able to get him. He was able to get Senga and Yoshida, however. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned in the outline, Christopher Morrell might benefit a little bit. That's one. is giving me this super sub anyhow. And I think he's going to play a lot. Hey, Labor is so far as my good luck league, and FSGA is my bad luck league, apparently, because I had Lux in FSGA, but I have Chris Taylor and Christopher Morel in LABR.
2: Yeah, so you've already got leagues shaping up as your your good luck and, and bad luck leagues. Um you grab yeah, you grab Chris Morrell in Labor. Chris Morrell's a neat guy to when you rank him for fantasy because he really does stuff the stat sheet when he plays. Like he's just got that power speed mix. That's really interesting. It's just a matter of how much are they going to play him? Is he going to hit ninth all the time? Which I think is quite possible. Uh, But he's like I said, he's a really interesting guy. He's someone who, when I did my projections, came out higher in my projections than I anticipated that he would. And Mm -hmm. then I had to really go back and look at him and decide, like, am I giving him too much playing time? Are these power speed skills? you know, for sure. Like, are they really for real? Cause we have a limited sample size on him, but depending on how things shake out with the Cubs, if they had some injuries, he's someone who could end up being a really great value pick this year, because if he does get 550 plate appearances, he he will have sizable totals in homers and steals.
1: Exactly. Uh, final injury note, Garrett Whitlock. Uh, second to the last injury, okay. penultimate injury note, Garrett <laughs> Whitlock. Uh, his return from hip surgery is perhaps delaying him for the start of the season, maybe a little slower than we had hoped he's already, he's also transitioning back to the rotation. He was a starter in the minors. Wasn't quite clicking with the, in the Yankees farm system, Red Sox grabbed in the rule five draft proof that you can still find good players in the rule five draft. Uh, But I, I I have a little bit of skepticism about him making that successful transition getting stretched out. So I don't really have a whole lot of him so far. Uh, What say you on Garrett Whitlock?
2: So, I'm kind of, I was kind of intrigued. I still am kind of intrigued. I, I I see the same thing that you're mentioning. So to put a number to that last year, Last year, he made nine starts and 22 relief appearances, but he actually threw the same amount of innings. So he threw 39 innings as a starter, 39 and a third as a reliever, almost a total 50-50 split. His ERA as a starter was 4.15. His ERA as a reliever was 2.75. And not that surprising, really, right? Mm -hmm. Like opponent's OPS as a reliever, 547 as a starter, 723. He was much more effective as a reliever, which we've seen with so many pitchers over the years. He was just... Harder to hit. In the same amount of innings, he gave up 15 more hits as a reliever. Control skills were fine in both. Great strikeout to walk rates. I'm intrigued by Garrett Whitlock. I did not quite get him in uh, labor, but I was interested. Um, he's still on the board in my Tout Wars draft and hold. We're in round, I don't know, 21 or something like that. and He's still on the board. I don't know if I will necessarily draft him with my next pick, but eventually I'd be interested in him. I think maybe the play with Whitlock now is if this injury which seems pretty minor they haven't even ruled him out for opening day if this injury causes him to stock to really plummet i think he might be worth the risk as a bench pitcher to start the year
1: yeah uh oh i agree if you get him that cheaply great if you're getting him as your seventh pitcher eh, mm-hmm. not so great
2: that's right not but i and i think that feels about right like that's where he was going like pick 275 something like that um so if if this knocks him down if this knocks him down 100 spots and you're getting him on your bench then i think he's definitely someone to be interested in
1: i'm rooting for whitlock to be a stud reliever i've got brian okay. uh i want okay. i want bayo in the rotation whitlock to be the guy who comes in after him there and clean, you know wipes people out that's my goal uh it's it's a very modest goal brendan rogers last injury player uh popped out his shoulder you know shoulder out of socket today that doesn't sound great they're saying they're they're trying to minimize it but again spring training injuries like that they can they can take a life on their life of their own
2: yep absolutely so yeah we'll just see where where this one goes like a little too early to, to really comment like you said the shoulder popping out doesn't sound good but who knows maybe they popped it back in maybe we've seen have seen that before maybe they popped it back in and it's not not a big deal but We'll find out coming up. I did, like I said earlier, I did view Rogers as like a safe pick when I took him in labor a week ago. Right. Um, I almost took him in the Tout Wars League actually just this morning and then decided that I didn't want to do that or at least didn't want to do it yet. And then someone else took him like Jock Thompson took him right after after I picked like, like the very next pick. So is is
1: uh, uh, Rogers your uh, UT? You locked up your UT early, didn't you? In that one? Cause you I have... think I might
2: have. You have I Brandon
1: heard. Lau, India, you have Javi Baez, and none yes, of these I guys did. are yeah. any, anywhere else. So, no. in- interesting. That's a perfect segue. We're going to talk about your labor team, but first, we all have to take care of a little bit of business here first. The un- and We'll start off with our good friends at Underdog. The fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has MLB best ball tournaments live, including the Dinger. Which has $500,000 in total prizes. In best ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup, which is three pitchers, three infielders, importantly, just three outfielders, and one flex each week for the, re- the regular season. Outfielders are super important in this format. You'll see a lot of outfielders go in the first three rounds. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with pro- the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you also will get six months of a RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 dinger team today. Our other title sponsor is our good friends at Fantrax, and Fantrax is a great place to run your fantasy league. We've talked about it before. Tout Wars has used their auction room when we were stuck at home during COVID. Now we're going to be back in New York this year. Excited for that, but they have a great auction room. Uh, so I highly recommend that they offer the greatest experience in dynasty keeper, redraft and best ball leagues. If you're even, if you're coming from another service, Fantrax makes it easy. They can import any of your current leagues and customize if needed. They have an in-depth player pool. If you've got the deepest dynasty league, You've got uh, you know, rookie ball players, Dominican summer league players, they'll have them. I, I guarantee you they'll have them. Uh my name is an ain't uh, EF Hutton or no, that's not that's not how the commercial went, but uh okay. Anyways, uh so go check out fantrax on that. Sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to fantraxcom slash RotoWire and sign up today. That's f a n t-r-a-x dot com slash RotoWire. Fantrax the home of fantasy sports. Finally, we're on the Blue Wire Network. Here are their ads.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
1: All right. Thank you for your indulgence on that. Uh, got all of our business taken care of. We're moving on to talk LABR. And this is where we're going to share the draft board here because Fred and I did the draft Tuesday night. We did a live stream for those of you who weren't, you know, logging in at the time. Hey, that's okay. I understand it was two and a half hours, but it was super fun. We've thoroughly enjoyed it. I hopefully those of you who tuned in, enjoyed it and learned a few things, enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to kind of go over Fred's team here. Uh, I've talked about mine at Infinome. There's, there's an article on this on Rotowire, you which you can check out at rotowire.com slash pod. Go ahead and check out uh, my my team and my uh, discussion of my picks. Let's talk about Fred's team. Fred, you had the first overall pick. You weren't necessarily hoping to get the first overall pick. After playing this out, how do you feel about it?
2: That was fine. So if I didn't take Ronald Acuna... Jr., I would have taken Aaron Judge. He went fourth. Um, when I look at wh- the way the second and third rounds would have played out, if I was picking fourth, I probably would have taken the same players. I would have taken JT. I took JT Realmuto on the in round two. If I had picked three picks earlier in round two, I would have taken him anyway. So in the end, what like I was, I was fine with having Acuna. I mean, in general, would I have rather gone? No, actually, I'm good. I was good with Acuna. Like when I look at how the second round shook out, um, yeah, I, I, I like Freddie Freeman slipped all the way we talked about this on the live stream that he slipped all the way to pick 14 I would have found that really interesting. I don't know if I probably would have paired him with Corbin Burns but um, Ray Flowers got him and paired him with Raphael Devers but I was good I Acuna and then getting J, JT Realmuto doesn't usually fall to pick 30. So being able to get two guys right off the top, fill a catcher spot, and then have a, two players who both could get me a fair amount of home runs and a fair amount of steals. That was really nice. And then being able to grab Spencer Strider, who you predicted that I would take yep. out, out of thin air. And I didn't think that – I thought I was going to end up taking Aaron Nola. I, and he, Ryan Bloomfield took him in round two, which was earlier than Nola usually goes. But I think still like a really good pick.
1: Yeah. So solid. Um, yep. and, and, and with Nola, I get it. I, I fully understand why, you know, you're what you're getting with him. Oh, yep. you know what you're getting whip wise and you know, you're getting strikeouts. ERA tends to fluctuate fluctuates, a little bit more for
2: sure. Any yeah. the Phillies are improved. So they were pretty good last year and are improved. So maybe the wins you'll get a little luck here with the wins. I thought Nola was very undervalued. I didn't really get into the January draft season this year, which mm-hmm. normally I do. I thought when I looked through January ADP though, that was one that I had really targeted. I thought Nola was really undervalued. He was going a month ago in NFBC leagues. He was going like mid third round, maybe even second half of the third round often. So he's moved up and that's, I think this is where he belongs. He's reliable. So for example, Sandy Alcantara is also really reliable, but he doesn't have Nola's strikeout rate. Alcantara can have like a really high strikeout total, but it has to come with like 215 innings.
1: Yep. That's right. Nola
2: can do it in 180 innings. He can get you the same strikeout total. So and Nola is also a workhorse, maybe not quite the same level, but as good as anyone else other than him.
1: You mentioned Freddie Freeman and uh, Brooks mentions that, you know, freeman's kind of underappreciated i agree yep. so we knew about jordan alvarez a little bit on tuesday that's when the news came out that the hand was kind of bothering him still uh i hammered and i hemmed and hawed i really didn't snap call jordan alvarez at 1.8 and freeman was going to be my pivot uh so uh, i don't think you can make a really good case for vlad there too i know you don't like bobby Witt there so you wouldn't have gone that way i'd probably wouldn't have gone that way i think you also could have looked at otani and otani uh, in labor, I should say, the Otani rule is you get both the pitcher and the hitter, but you have to decide each week which, whether you're where you're going to deploy him. In tout wars, they're two separate players. In Otanu, you get it, you get the fairy tale, you get it all. You just have to make a decision each day. So, okay. uh, that, that's <laughs> he's 1.1 1. 1 in that format. Uh, so there, there you go. So, you went Acuna, then you went Real Muto Strider. I've gotten a lot of JT Real Muto early, I like that pick, obviously. Um, I got him at I think 213 in FSGA, so I'm in lockstep with you on that. And then we get to the fourth round. Um, and the whole time on the live stream, we're talking about wow, DeGrom keeps on slipping. I hope I don't get put to the test on that. I think you said six or seven times you got put to the test on it and you took them. You passed the test, I guess, or maybe you failed it. I don't know.
2: <laughs> we'll find out in a few months, but yeah, I didn't want to have to make this decision, and and neither did anyone else. And this was I feel like peak DeGrom nervousness or hysteria, right? A week ago tonight, I think it's, so I look, it's kind of calmed down a bit since then. Like his TGFBI ADP is about 36. His NFBC ADP since in the last like four days or so is 37. So he's moved up already about, this was pick what, 40, no, 60 pick 60 so he's moved up a lot again already it's just it was one of those things where a player starts falling and then i think we all start second guessing ourselves like he should have gone in other drafts he's kind of going around three so okay he slips into round four and then ray takes shane bieber instead of him okay you know joe sheehan takes zach wheeler instead of him Okay. And now everyone starts second guessing themselves. Do I, am I going to be the guy who take Degrom? And then Ryan Bloomfield later decides he'll just take Kevin Gosman instead of Degrom. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Steinhorn takes Luis Castillo. Everybody just wanted the safer pitchers. And then when it was coming to me, Tim McLeod drafted right before me and I, I was just going to take Dylan Cease. I was going to do the same thing as these other guys kind of wimp out on the whole thing and say, just give me a guy with a better durability track record. Then Tim takes Dylan Cease. And I just decided, you know what? Like, life short, draft Jacob DeGrom. If he turns out to pitch, even a, if he could, if he could turn out to pitch 160 innings, like with him and Strider, that would be a pretty, could be a pretty amazing one. Too
1: when much. you speak of us, speak well. That That's, that's what happens if that's yeah. the case there. Um, as, uh, as BZA, RZA, GZA says, you could get 500 K's just from two pitchers right yep. there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Or or something like it. You're right. uh, 400 and something for sure. I mean, it could totally blow up. We'll see. I didn't feel great about the DeGrom pick at the end of that draft. Since then, he's thrown some bullpen sessions. He looks like things are back on track. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. And even if he starts opening day, I don't know. Like, right. Like we won't really know until it won't take till the end of the season. We'll probably know by the all-star break or so if things are going along fine with him or not.
1: The other noteworthy thing early on is you took two catchers in the first five rounds. What in Sam Hill is going on here?
2: Yeah, I, I, that was not the plan. Um, I did. Like I said, I didn't think real Muto would be there when I picked on the two, three turns. So I was happy about that. The Sal Perez pick. Um, I don't like the hitters at all around the four five turn. I, 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 when I mapped out my draft, I didn't like the hitters and okay. that were going by ADP and I had kind of targeted a couple of them. Um, Kyle Schwarber often makes it to the four or five turn. He didn't in this draft. Corey Seager, who you took in the middle around four, he sometimes makes it to the four or five turn. He didn't in this draft. I find around the four or five turn, there are so many pitchers drafted. If you just look at ADP and in our draft as well, same thing like around the four or five turn and all the way through the first half around five, there tends to be a lot of closers go around that time and a lot of starting pitchers. So there aren't a lot of hitters in that area. And I just didn't really love the ones that were there on my projection. Sal Perez comes out the highest among the players who were available. And it wasn't even that close. I could have maybe gone with George Springer, but Perez came out the highest. And it was, you know what? It was a pretty cool feeling to spend the rest of my draft, not having to draft a catcher.
1: I bet. I bet
2: we'll see how it turns out, but I certainly wasn't sitting there in round eight or nine thinking, Oh, I'd really like to draft a catcher. I don't have the opportunity to do that anymore. Like it's a good feeling. We'll see. Like I said, we'll see how it turns out. I know the injury risk that comes with having two really important catchers. The fact that Perez plays DH so much, maybe mitigates some of that risk, but uh, I'll say
1: if I didn't get Seager um, Mm -hmm. in in round four, it might've been Perez for me. I Mm -hmm. love Perez. I think, I, I, he's my number two catcher i have him even ahead of will smith who i love nothing wrong with will smith um
2: varsho he, though it's varsho
1: yeah
2: your number two uh, he's my he, varsho is my number two this steals just
1: yeah like, okay so fair, fair yeah i'm not but, a varsho guy although through. i did get a, my first like league where i got him in a league uh this year i think i got him in the gladiator draft uh, or okay. somewhere but yeah, yeah, Varsho's probably over Sal Perez, but not well, not necessarily. Because I think Varsho, I don't, I think there's, I think he'll come back down to earth, batting wise, hmm. a little bit more. But I don't know. I think he'll, uh, I, 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 I could, I could be wrong about that.
2: I mean, Sal Perez was a second round pick in fantasy last exactly. year. Exactly. So the exactly. ceiling on him is high, and when you go back and look at his season from last year. Like, he was really good. He just missed a lot of time. Like, he only he played 114 games, which is his lowest, like, non-strikes, or, sorry, COVID-shortened season. That's right. his lowest in a decade. And he still hit 23 home runs. Like, if he just played his normal amount, and I don't mean the 161 games he played the previous year, just his normal amount, 130 to 140 games. You know, he probably hits 26, 27 homers, which is pretty typical for him. Drives in 80-plus 80 runs, 85 runs. Like, for a catcher, that's really good. And he hasn't been a batting average nightmare really throughout his career. He's had a couple seasons that weren't great, but he's a career 268 hitter. That helps your batting average nowadays.
1: Yeah. League-wide batting average last year was 243. Yeah. It's the sixth lowest batting a- league-wide batting average of all time and the lowest since 1968. So we're talking either like... Super high mound or dead ball era in terms of bat- league wide batting average. It's mm-hmm. it was just that bad last year. You can see why Major League Baseball is trying to implement all these pro batting average rules. You know, limiting yeah. the shift, yep. limiting the amount of time on the mound. Uh, and we and we're actually starting to see some high scoring spring training games. Uh, you know that these are things that are pointed in favor of the hitter for the most part. There, the, the goal is to try to inc- uh, induce more balls in play. Now, I I don't think it's gonna. Take away from the major problem, which I don't think you, I don't know how you do. And that's the, the, the velo- the crazy velocity increases in baseball, unless there's less, less rest time between pitches equates to a lower velocity. That's the only thing I can think of as far as anything that arrests that trend.
2: Yeah, it's possible. I, I, I'm. Like, I'm a fan of a lot of the league changes right now. Like, if we can get more balls put into play or more balls falling for base hits, I think it's a good thing. I don't mind. I'm good with the shift rules. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I don't mind some little things to try to put the speed game back into effect, which Sal Perez will not be a part of in any way, shape, or form at <laughs> his career high of one steal in a season. But I, I, I like a lot of these changes and I like the pitch clock already. And if we want to tweak it and add two seconds or something, then sure. I thought Max Scherzer, by the way, had the best attitude about the pitch clock. Yeah, he, He's awesome. I love Max Scherzer. Like, he's just such a competitor. And him being like, you know what? I got more control. Now I got more control. I'm going to work fast. I'm going to work medium and then I'm going to work fast. You can't step out of the box. I'll, I'm gonna, I've got some control right now. So I thought that was really cool to... And you know what? Max Scherzer's mindset was like a lot of our fantasy managers' mindsets. How many times have we said over the years, just tell me the rules and I'll play the game?
1: Yeah, it's the Laura Michaels approach. The late, great Laura Michaels always said, just tell me the rules and allow me to make a spreadsheet and I'll find a way to beat you. Right. Um, That's the the attitude you got to take.
2: Yeah. So instead of sour grapes, Max Scherzer's like, great. Okay, those are the new rules. Now let me sit and think about it. Let me practice it. I'll figure out a way to make this work for me. I love it.
1: You embrace a certain amount of risk on this team. Uh, yep. Besides Degrom, Starling Marte, Felix Bautista not ready yep. to start spring training. He's yep. your, your your number one closer, so and right. your next closer is, is not Dylan Floro. Dylan
2: Floro. yeah, <laughs> sir, not
1: appearing in this film. Um, yeah, yeah it, it, it. You only have two relievers period. Yeah,
2: I, I think I'm okay with just kind of adding relievers early in the season. I don't know if Floral will really turn out, but he wasn't too expensive. Since then, the Marlins have kind of backed off him as their closer, so he might end up being a drop. We'll see. Or someone I hold for a couple weeks. Uh, I did, other than DeGrom, even on top of DeGrom, I did pick players who had minor injuries or minor injury reports at the start of spring, and I felt like we're dropping an ADP because of that. So on that 6-7 turn, right, Felix Batista, like, He's he was dropping a bit because mm-hmm. they're saying they're not hundred percent sure if it's going to be ready for opening day. I kind of took that like not as a huge deal. If he missed a week or two, I'm still fine with him at the end around six, like with the closers that have already gone at that point, uh, like the next closer to go in the draft was Camilo Duvall. And then Kenley Jansen after that, I'll take Batista. I think he's better. So, and if I have to miss a couple, he has to miss a couple weeks then. So be it. And same with Starling Marte, like Marte, they revealed you know that he had had surgery groin surgery in the offseason uh some people are saying i think are taking that negatively which it might be but also he played hurt last year when he got a lower steals total than usual so there's a sunny side of that where maybe now that he's had the surgery he gets back to being a 25 steal player so yeah i kind of embrace and same with kyle Wright. again like like a bit of an issue but this could just end up being a really small hiccup and he's in their rotation the first trip through and I I was fine with his value on the round nine, 10 turn, right. At pick one thirty five I guess it was. So yeah, I, I, I didn't plan on that going in, but I felt like this room was pretty cautious with players who had opened spring training with some sort of a red cross beside their name. So I just took the discounts.
1: So the way I look at that is, you know, I, I I like maybe taking on one or two. I don't want to have a full portfolio of those type of risks Mm -hmm. because I I feel like at least one of them is going to end up being worse than they've reported. Maybe I'm paranoid. Mm
2: -hmm. Maybe it's possible. And if one of them is then okay, sure. You know what I mean? Like if, if Kyle Wright opens the season on the IL, but Marte and Batista are a full go, then yeah. Like, like I said, I got three discounts and, that, that's the price I'll pay for it. So we'll just see it. And again, it depends how long they start. Cause we know those IL stints that started are backdated. And like, mm-hmm. if someone like Kyle Wright misses a week or two weeks out of my lineup, I can live with that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. and I get you on that, but as Brendan Rogers illustrates injuries come into the league after. right? Yeah, for sure. That that's the, the, the argument against going Un- unlimited
2: IL though, in this league, which is,
0: also, unlimited IL Delete unlimited.
1: Like the weapon too, you know. Not that I want to diplomatic immunity. Yeah,
2: not, not that I want to take full advantage of the unlimited IL, but it does mean if I lose a couple of these guys at the start of the year, I will be able to on that first fab run try to start working on my depth and have extra bench spots. And you do lose a bench spot in this one. It's a six man bench.
1: Yeah, that's true. It yeah. is true.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh you tend to have pairs of players. You you doubled up on second baseman, you have a low and a low uh you have two early catchers uh you know it's a lot of double it was not
2: supposed to be like a themed draft but it wound up being a themed draft yeah with all these little the catcher thing the low low thing Uh, on a lot of the turns i took one hitter and one pitcher we talked about that during the live stream there was one turn earlier on where i took um it would have been the what 12 13 i took Brandon Lau and Jonathan India. So that's the one time I took two hitters. Other than that, on pretty much every turn because I felt like I couldn't play the room because I was stuck on the end. I just would take a hitter and a pitcher, try to stay balanced, try to get talent. That's right. Yeah. If I was sitting in the middle of the draft, I might've tried to get cute sometimes and draft two or three hitters or two or three pitchers in a row. But I just felt like that was the safe way to go. And then because you need more hitters than pitchers, I picked a turn in the middle rounds and went with two hitters.
1: Yeah, I did do a bunch of like streaks. I did five hitter, five pitchers in a row. Uh, I was light on pitching at the time. Mm -hmm. And then I did, you know, uh, like eight. I think I did nine hitters in a row after that, including six of which that have outfield eligibility, (laughs) five hitter, five outfielder Mm -hmm. types in a row. Mm -hmm. Uh, I felt like I, but some of that's like, I felt like I was reacting a lot. I was always chasing Mm -hmm. a little and that's not good. You want to be dictating, not chasing.
2: Yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, I it, and it's usually on the turn where I feel like I'm chasing more than dictating. Although I didn't totally feel that in this draft, I mm-hmm. I, I don't mind being on the turn. Like, it, it it does give you a chance to plan your team out two picks at a time. Right, that's so, true. That is right. that's the one. Like I said, like I feel like I gotta be. I can't get too aggressive because I can't get in on runs. But the flip side of that is, um, I don't I don't try to be cute and play the room in some way and then fail and then miss out on something like i I just knew like when i took felix batista like i knew like there's 30 picks until i go again there aren't going to be any closers there when it comes back to me closers who are you know really secure in their jobs so i just know i have to pick someone
1: exactly yeah exactly all right um let's move on and talk a little about a couple of players and uh we'll talk a little tgbi and and wars here uh first uh let's talk a little bit about tristan casas you have him in tout wars I have him in labor. We both, he homered today, by the way. Homer tonight, uh, right before we got started. He hit a big home run. Uh, we both have an affinity for him.
2: Well, I didn't think I did, but I'm starting to. I'm starting to come around to him as someone who could be uh, pr- like pretty good. Like I wouldn't say I'm like super high on him, but uh, when you look at his projections, like my projections for him were pretty solid, and then I kind of compared them to some of the projection models at FanGraphs and. Uh, His job seems to me to be really secure. Uh, I don't know if he'll be a high average guy, but he walks a lot, which should be helpful. Like the Red Sox will appreciate that. It'll help him to stay somewhere near, near the middle of the lineup. If he could be a 20 Homer guy, I think, and play every day, I think that could be at the point where he's getting drafted pretty valuable and he'll, he'll, yeah, I was going to say he'll steal a few bases. That's too generous. I, I shouldn't even bother getting into that. But Yeah. um, yeah, I think, I know he struggled in the little bit of time the ninety five plate appearances last year. He only hit one ninety seven, but he walked a ton, twenty percent walk rate. He hit five homers in the ninety five plate appearances. That's good. I don't know. I think there's a chance here that we're looking back at the end of the year and he's got twenty or twenty two homers, maybe hit two fifty, good walk rate. Where I grabbed him was in T wars with the OBP format, which I like him a little better in. yeah, I think I think he's I think he's pretty solid,
1: yeah, I think so too. Um, so obviously I do because I, I drafted him here. I drafted him last night in the beach of Erickson draft. I think he's a poor man's Vinny past Quantino. And I, you know, I have some, a certain affinity for him as well. Uh, I, I just think, you know, he, he's a prospect with some pedigree and he's getting a chance to play and it's yeah. not his first t- exposure to the league. I think there's a lot of things pointing in the right direction. I think he'll be eventually in the middle of that lineup, if not there at, at, from the day one, but he'll be there mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Uh, so
2: good park I, to hit in.
1: Yeah, exactly. That doesn't hurt. Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that I like about that. I like about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said you're a Jonathan India guy. Um, apparently, I uh, I'm I'm not anti Jonathan India, but I'm also not super pro Jonathan India. So why don't you make the case for him?
2: Um, well, I mean, in his rookie year, he was like your prototypical leadoff hitter or like new age leadoff hitter. Three seventy six on base percentage. And that was without a super high BABIP. It was three twenty six. Like that's not like not super high for a player who's got a little bit of speed. Um, strikeouts are were a little high as a rookie one forty one, but that's not that bad. His strikeout to walk is basically two to one. That's okay. Um, he can steal a few bases. Like again, like he kind of prototype prototype high order hitter. Got on base a ton. Can run a bit. Has some pop. Scored 98 runs. It's not like the Reds had a great lineup in 2021. Like, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't a great one. So, but he was getting on base a lot at the top of the order. So, and then last year, just everything went wrong. So, he had multiple yeah. hamstring multiple hamstring injuries. He ended up missing 59 games. Um, and I think was just rare, rarely, you know, totally healthy and in the flow of things. Even with that, he wasn't abysmal. Like, he hit 249, hit 10 homers. It's not not good, like, at all. But it wasn't, like like he completely bought him out and had a 550 OPS or something like that. It was 705. That's Again, it's not great, but I I could just see him. He's what, 26. I could see him coming back this year and looking more, with better health and just looking more like he did in his rookie season. And at that point, if you're talking about, and maybe with the base stealing rules and him hitting high in the lineup, maybe he could steal 15. So if he could be a 20 homer, 15 steal, leadoff hitter, who gets on base a lot, I know it's not the greatest lineup, but I think there's some good potential here. That that's kind of how I feel. I was listening to the Launch Angle podcast uh, the other day, and Jeff Zimmerman made a comment on him where he just said that where he gets drafted, he's probably one of the more likely players to be like a top three round pick next year. Even though it probably won't happen, but if you're just looking at guys around that ADP who could pick, be picked really high the next year, I think he he could be one of them.
1: Yeah. You for what it's worth, you got him roughly at ADP at one. Yeah, for sure. And same as um,
2: in my Ted Wars draft. It wasn't a big reach or anything.
1: And the fact that you doubled up there was annoying to me because I did wait on second baseman. Um, and I think La- you know it went Cronenworth, Lau, and India. Bing, boom, boom. All three in a row there, mm-hmm. and that 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 hurt. I could have. I I wanted to get. I actually wanted Lau. I thought that was the one that I was like, yeah. yes, that's the player I want to get there. Um, Cronenworth in India would have been fine too, though. Um, and once they were gone, I wanted to wait even longer. And I, I did. I waited a couple more rounds, got boring old DJ LeMayhew, Um, <laughs> who, by the way, two years ago was like a fourth round pick. So, yeah, sure. I mean, <laughs> you, you can find upside in anybody. And I've, I've caught, I've burned myself so many times by saying there's no upside on an old player. There is upside still. Yep, for sure. Uh, probably needs happy fun ball back though. And I don't think that's happening. So uh, you're, the, the power upside's not there anymore.
2: Right. And I so this is where I mentioned when we were talking about Mookie Betts that um, that I find there's just so many middle infielders out there that I that I'm fine with. Um, you know, in round 11, I took Javi Baez. I didn't love it, but I think it's fine. Round 12, Brandon Lau. Round 13, Jonathan India. In round 14, I took Josh Rojas, who will play third for me, but I believe is second eligible as well. Uh, Brendan Rogers in round 17. I took Miguel Vargas in round 18, who is not yet second base eligible, but is going to be very soon. I just find that there are in every draft, there are a lot of middle infielders that I'm fine with in through the middle rounds.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's right. Um, and you know, I, I, in many of my drafts, I've gotten the early second baseman, and I like that. I've gotten a lot of Marcus Semyon, I've got some Albies. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting Altuve in that tier. Point is, I think they're, you know, I feel more comfortable walking away with one of the top tier second basemen. However, in this one, I did not. And it was something I did not enjoy for what it's worth. So, uh, yeah, um, you know, I I don't know. Uh, This is also, you know, I want to talk about another thing here real quick, too. And that is that I I think uh, pitchers are getting devalued uh, significantly. We saw it in labor. I'm in TJFBI right now. uh, And it's true there, too. Starting pitchers, no starting pitchers win in the first round of labor uh, and TGFBI. The first one went at 2.1. So you could say that happened there, but I, I don't know if it's going to happen. In the main event aces tend to get pushed up there. I tweeted the other day, though. There is a non-zero chance that we get go. Ha- there'll be at least one a main event draft that go where there's not a fir- not a first round pitcher.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at your TGFBI draft board right now and like Aaron Nola going pick forty one. Shane McClanahan going in the fourth round, around pick fifty. Like there's like Verlander went late in the third, Scherzer, which happens sometimes late in the third. Um, This is what I think we're seeing is like okay, so pitchers are usually the yellow stickers. Like we're seeing no yellow stickers in the first round, a couple, three or four or five yellow stickers in the second round, and then it starts to really pick up in the in the third, fourth, and fifth round. It feels like almost every other pick is a yellow sticker. Yeah. So that's where that's where the the industry has decided to put pitchers this year because I think not many of them are fully standing out. Like we can't really decide if if how much better Garrett Cole is than Aaron Nola, how much is he better than Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer? Like Verlander and Scherzer are two guys who, if they threw enough innings, like could be the number one starting pitcher this year. So So when you can get those guys around pick 40 or 45 it's making people less interested in taking one in the top 10
1: so i'm 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 ending up having a similar build to labor than i in tgfbi uh <laughs> so for through seven rounds i have five hitters and two pitchers one of which is a closer and, and emmanuel class a. I took the second closer at 3.3 i took dylan cease you know i didn't think i was going to get him anywhere but i got him at pick uh 58 you know third to last pick of the fourth round yeah uh, um i did take Gunnar Henderson in the sixth round. That was kind of a luxury pick. And I was thinking, okay, I'll get Tristan McKenzie on the way back. Nope. McKenzie went one pick before me. I feel like that was the end of a tier. Uh, I've been, you know, yeah. since then I've seen three, two other starters go in George Kirby and Joe Musgrove. Uh, Musgrove I, was someone who set a cue earlier. So I, I think they're going to be a little unhappy unha- with that. But uh, nonetheless, I, you know, it's funny. I, I joked on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to be different than everybody else and go hit her heavy in the first round and maybe only take two pitchers. Except 25 other people have already tweeted something similar to that to TGFBI. <laughs>
2: um, I yeah, looking at your TGFBI team, um, I wonder. I I was a little surprised that you took Jeremy Pena, but like you said, you felt like there was a tear drop after Tristan McKenzie, and you just didn't. I'm assuming you just felt like I don't want to overpay just to get a pitcher. Uh, one of the guys, he's still on the board who I thought about could have made, could have been a, on my list, at least an option. There would have been Robbie Ray, but you can't really pair Robbie Ray with Dylan Cease. Like they're
1: watch me. Great. If it comes it's, to me, I'll do it. Oh, you
2: could do it. Maybe I will round do it. I'll make value, it, so, I'll
1: do it so fast. So I'll make your head spin.
2: Yeah. In round eight, I guess the value would just be really good. It's just, that would be a weird pair because they're both yeah, it would be. pitchers with high whips compared to their ERA. So now you've got two aces who both get a lot of strikeouts, but have a high whip. Now you're going to have to try to find maybe like some Jamison Tyone type guys where the whip's better, typically better in the ERA later to offset that. So that would have been a weird one. I'd say looking back on it now, yeah, I guess you could have decided to like, maybe you felt like Gunnar Henderson was a little bit of, you were getting cute or something. And maybe you should have just taken McKenzie and, and hoped Henderson. That, made it That's a path.
1: But the thing yeah. is I look at, I mean, look at that labor draft and yeah. yeah. I did it. I went mean, I, I, Gonsolin and Giolito, they paired, they pair well together like peanut butter and yeah. jelly.
2: Yeah. But. Yep, exactly. I guess the other spot would have been instead of Eloy Jimenez at that point in time, there were still like the next three picks were Max Fried, Christian Javier, Zach Gallen. Sure. Gosman, Gosman was still on the board. I think I remember you saying last week that you don't feel great about Gosman right now, just with him having to make some minor tweaks to, to the way he pitches. So I guess instead of Jimenez, there were some pitchers right there. If you wanted to get a, a second sure. starter, every but, pick oh, has consequence, but yeah, you can, you could take starters with your next two picks when it gets back to you. I guess we'll just see who's available.
1: And I might mean, I don't even have to, that's, yep. I could take one more hitter and a starter. And I, yep. I, I said during the draft, during the live stream, I am way more comfortable with the pitchers in the mid to late teens than I am the hitters. So okay. mm-hmm. maybe I'll just take a bunch of yep. hitters and now, and, then I have fewer to chase later. And just if I'm yeah. put that to the test, if I really feel more comfortable with pitching later, why not, you know, go where I don't, you know, you know, it's harder to find the, the hitters later that I am comfortable with. I mean, I could be wrong about said hitters. We'll see. Uh, but, uh, we'll find out. But, uh, at, at any rate, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment. It's an actual interesting league, you know, team experiment there.
2: And going with different builds is fun, right? like, like, like I ended up doing the hitter, pitcher, hitter, pitcher, hitter, pitcher thing in labor, but I'm not going to do that in all my drafts. I didn't, I haven't right. done it so far in my Tout Wars draft, like going with different builds and then looking back and seeing what you like and what you didn't like both at the beginning of the year when the draft's over and at the end of the year, like I, I that part's fun. So now you've got this really nice group of five hitters to start off your team. And like you said, maybe you'll draft some more when it comes back to you, um, if you're a little you're a little hitter heavy early maybe you'll be a little pitcher heavy in the middle rounds it's, it's a different build why not
1: yeah exactly yeah exactly you know what uh i want to go through your tout team next week so we can do it in like full because i think we'd be glossing over it right now and i'm sure in its majesty it deserves a full breakdown so uh let's let's make sure we do that properly um any other player notes any other individual players you want to talk about before we sign off let's see if
2: there's anyone who i think that we uh that we missed so far. Um, I don't think so. I think we had a pretty good. Yeah, I do a, too. A pretty good list so far today. Oh, I wanted to ask you, the White Sox have said that they're going to open the season without a full-time closer. Are you still drafting Kendall Graveman?
1: So I wasn't drafting Kendall Never Graveman. Drafting I've been drafting. I, well, I wouldn't say I've been. I did draft Reynaldo Lopez last night uh and i prefer him to graven graven skill wise i think at this point in time uh and certainly but cost wise i do for sure so i want i i want to have Reynaldo more Reynaldo lopez the fact that they're not naming one individual closer eh, how many teams are like that right now whatever that doesn't scare me
2: yeah that's a good point uh liam hendricks by the way went in round 24 of our labor draft to Tim McLeod. I was not on him at round 24, but he was in the back of my mind. If he had made it down to about round 27 or 28.
1: Sure. Uh, why not?
2: I, I think that's a totally, yeah. Now, and again, Fit your this, team's motif. Well, and this is an unlimited IR. So yeah. uh, Just, like NFBC, I'm pretty, cause he's going to be gone for a while. NFBC, that's a lot to carry mm-hmm. and then hope he makes it back and that he's their closer right away and everything. That's a tough one, but these ones mm-hmm. with unlimited IR, like stick him, like Tim can stick him in his IR slot, have an extra bench spot for the first couple of weeks of the season when he's trying to find guys off the wire. And then at some point Hendricks comes back and hopefully is an awesome story this summer.
1: Yeah, exactly. I hope we're all rooting for him. I mean, that would be, yeah, but uh, not rooting for him on my team. Uh, That, that format is one where I would do it in FBC. I will not be uh, getting a lot of him. I don't think Uh, hope I I and I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Yep. So, all right, that's going to wrap things up for uh, today's pod. I want to thank Underdog. I want to thank Fantrax for their sponsorship. Thank you, guys. I love the discussion that we had going on in the chat room there. I love the people joining in on the live stream. And, of course, thanks to everybody listening on uh, wherever you get your podcast later on, too. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back at you again next week. Tomorrow, we got James Anderson, of course. Uh, and I am uh, going to be uh, with a guest to be named later on Thursday. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Take care.